Hey, yo, 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 what up? It's Prodigy from the infamous Mob Deep, man, the HNIC. You know what I'm saying? And I'm always tuned in to Fan Bros. It's going down, kid. What, what? Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy, DJ Ben. I mean, back once again with another episode of the Fan Bros, where we break down geek culture, nerd culture, genre culture, all from a perspective of people by of color. That's right. Like I said before, it's Ben. I mean, the host alongside my partner, finally back in the building for once. Chico Leo. Lean in a little bit. Let the people hear your voice, Chico. They miss you out there. Back in the spaceship, back, back from my uh, my sojourn on another planet in the escape pod. <laughs> you finally got it together. I got I, I got it together. I got it together. NASA started, the government came the, back. Exactly. That's exactly started right. Started sending you some signals. They, yeah, exactly. And they brought me back. Nice. Houston, we had a problem, yeah. and, and Houston solved it. So you did better than George Clooney did then. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Spoilers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tatiana King is giving me the face over there. I mean, you said spoilers kind of late, though. <laughs> I mean, Hella late. I mean, but they're going to have to figure that out. You know, that's yeah. not, you know, I could be George Clooney from any movie, not the number one hit right now. You know, but we are back. The fan bros are back. We've got a big show ahead of you. Tatiana King is in the building. Chico Leo is in the building. And tonight we have a very special guest. Dapper Dan himself, Joe Illage, how you doing, sir? Doing all right. Yeah. Honored to be a part of the Fan Bros episode tonight. Thank you for having me here. Oh, you're welcome, sir. Good to see you in the place. Good to be here with all of y'all. Mister 188, as they say. Dude, gotta be. <laughs> and, and, and just 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 to clear that up, since this is not a visual medium, uh, Joe Illage was voted by BleedingCool.com to be uh, uh, the best dressed man in comics. Dapper dressed were the yes. words they used. And I really appreciated that. And, you know, I worked <laughs> I worked hard for that. I mean, I have a dry cleaning bill. There's color coordination. There's the pocket squares. You know, I have to thank my mom. I have to thank the, <laughs> we the BT Awards. The, the people at Men's Warehouse. That was like Tuesday, <laughs> Joe. This is Fan Bro Show. Sorry, sorry. We, we haven't have, had our first award show yet. I, I have noticed that uh, that Joe does rot. Like he's not one of those people who gets the matching set of of pocket square <laughs> and tie. I would hope not. Like he definitely, exactly, he rocks. He definitely picks the appropriate pocket square to to wear with the appropriate tie that are not some matching set. And uh, yeah, prop, props to Joe. Thank yeah. you. I got to do right by the geek culture, man. Right. Nice. Got to be a fashion maven. You For know real, what I'm because they don't think we can dress. They don't think we can be socially interactive. They don't think we're cool. No. So we must show them. I like that. I like that, Joe. That's it, man. Well, like I said, we have a big show ahead of us today. But first off, as always, I got to let y'all know, thank you to everyone who's been subscribing to the iTunes, to the SoundCloud. We now have a new SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash fanbros. Go ahead, check it out. Subscribe over there. Hit that iTunes up the podcasts are going up at the same time as the soundcloud now no delay you'll get them right away also we have a youtube page search for that subscribe to fan bro show on youtube uh lasting instagram fan bro show is on there too as well now so hit that up fan bro show as always you can reach us on the twitter at fan bro show fan bro show at gmail for any questions all that good stuff but 
like I said, we got a big show ahead of us. Oh, damn. One last announcement I need to make. Laughster. The Fan Bros are doing a live show with Laughster. We will get the dates to you later on in October the show. October 28th. There we go. October 28th. Coming up very soon. We're doing a live show with Laughster.com. We're doing October 28th at 8.30 p.m. That is 11 days away, y'all. And that is L-A-F-F. S-T-E-R dot com. Labster dot com is a live show where we'll be interacting with our audience. We'll be doing special giveaways that you can bid on. Um, you know, we, we'll announce more of those later on in the show. But just for now, Labster dot com. Check them out. A-L-A-F-F-S-T-E-R dot com. Check them out. We'll be doing more announcements on that towards the end of the show. But right now, I don't want to waste any more time. This week was a really big one for the Fan Bros Show. Last weekend, we all attended New York Comic Con. It was crazy. It was insane. Um, before we get into our reactions on it, I'm just going to play this quick clip of my man Kid Fury of ThisIsTheRead.com telling y'all how he felt about New York Comic Con. So this, this being your very first Comic Con, New York Comic Con, and you came on the craziest day. coming interviews from the show from the convention we'll be bringing them to you throughout this episode but right now i just want to ask the fan bros in the house what did you think of new york comic-con this was my second comic-con and can i just say how tired i was after i thought i was tired last year but this year just beat wow yeah it was so much going on we were everywhere for you guys who don't realize we covered all four days we were all over the javits convention center in every single hall, we met basically everybody. We did a lot this year, you guys. From early morning till late night. Yeah. Every dang day. Chico, how'd you feel about it? 
I, I, I have to echo what Tatiana said about how grueling it was. I, I, I got a blister <laughs> on one of my toes. But um, I, I have to say props to all the, um, all the cosplayers. The last time I've been to Comic-Con, there were probably maybe 100 cosplayers there. And this year, there were maybe, you know, five to 10,000 No, more. More, yeah, more. I mean, it was really <laughs> extraordinary. I mean, I give just total salutes to all the people um, who made their costumes. And with there was a lot of love and care and affection. And a lot of creativity went into, the, went, went into just the concepts of the costumes. And there was some dope gender-bending stuff. We saw at least, what, two female cons i saw a male oh yeah the yeah. female cons and were we nice. saw male two male wonder woman i saw a male yeah. phoenix yeah oh i didn't see that yeah wow. there's, a, there's yeah. a lot of gender bending at new york comic con just a lot of it that's like the mo there but a, you know a lot of female lokis right 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 and a lot you know a lot of a lot of, i i didn't know a lot of the anime characters i basically assumed anyone who had a large weapon was an <laughs> anime character <laughs> And um, just, you know, just real real props to the cosplayers. They really uh, added a whole element to Comic-Con that wasn't there in the past. Like, that's all I can say. Um, uh, Joe, Joe, what did you think of, uh, of Comic-Con this year? Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't been there in four years, so this was kind of like my big return. And what I really wanted to do was catch up with a bunch of friends in the business, and I did that. But one thing that I really learned is that you really have to be armed with vitamin C before you even walk through the doors because word like after the weekend like out of nowhere I got nailed mm. and I was sick for two days and I didn't even realize that there's a name for it it's called concrud and I was like what mm. are you kidding All that me rubbing up on yeah. people so basically yeah. it's like you know the convention is basically like one big petri dish mm -hmm. of who knows what the <laughs> hell so like you know Next time, before I get in there, either I'm going to go in there in, like, a hazmat suit or I'm going to arm up on wellness fizz, orange juice, homemade chicken soup, and then I will feel like I've got my Iron Man armor of <laughs> biological chemical protection, in which case and I can engage the con. But that said... I had a really good time, you know. <laughs> after after had, all that. Y'all all, all guys gave that. me the Ebola I, virus, I, I, but I had, I, had a, I had a really good time. And like Chico said, you really have to give respect to all the cosplayers. But now here's my thing about the cosplay. I don't believe in denial cosplay. I believe that cosplay should go in some kind of an accordance with, like, your form, your stature, uh -oh, and something. Uh-oh, 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 oh, uh -oh. Uh -oh. Wait. It, Slow it, down. It, it kind of went to some crazy <laughs> places, and I was like... We got a lot of fans out there, yeah, Joe. Yeah, about to go down the wrong road. A lot of listeners. I was just like, whoa, whoa. So you weren't appreciative of the male Wonder Woman with the chest hair? Oh, I did not see that in the video. <laughs> oh, he was actually kind of funny. Yeah. I did there, not there were see two, that I think. in the yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a it was a um a stout man, yeah. a festively pumped man with a lot of chest hair. That was um what he did Wonder Woman, and then yep. the next day he did Ariel from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh and my like, god! Yeah, no, but yeah. you know what I saw? No, I tell you what I saw. I saw a plump Magneto, <laughs> and listen to me, Magneto the character isn't plump. But I had to give credit to the costume. <laughs> like, the costume was traditional X-Men 1, 1963 Jack Kirby Magneto. With the so, scarlet helmet. That's what I'm talking yep. about. And the purple, purple trim. trim. Nice. That, you know, based off of the Centurions. So I'm like, okay, I can respect that. But whoa. I saw a nice rotund Wolverine 
and people were really like, "What's the pattern?" No, no, they were like, "Come on, bro." But I think um, I, I wanted to ask, what was y'all favorite costumes? I saw a um, a Caucasian storm, which I just had to, you know, I, 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 didn't I, see I had to, do, I had to give her the, you know, because that that was solid right there, you know. I just had to give her a little hand clap, you know. Was, salute. was it Mohawk Storm? No, or no, she was, she was, she was classic Edsman or Aurora. I'll butcher her name too with the Aurora um, Monroe. Thank you with the, with the headdress and all, and a big billowing white mane. Really? Yes, yeah. She was in the main hall, headed towards She's Artist brave. Alley. But what was y'all favorite costumes that you saw? I think mine had to be uh, either Bumblebee. Or the prince from Saga, one of my favorite comic books. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. he had the, he had the TV head and all. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it was epic. I, now, yeah. I saw a Bloodshot. Oh, Bloodshot was sick. Bloodshot, yeah. sick. Very was well done. Great. Like I, Valiant I, Comics. Yeah, I usually don't take pictures with like the cosplayers because it's like once you start, you can't stop. Can't. But yeah. I had to catch a few pictures with that. Oh man, his eyes were crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. he he brought it. You yeah. know what I mean? He brought, I brought it. it. I had two this year. The one was um it was this guy that you guys saw first. He was like in a seven foot um mecha costume. Like he was oh, like a yeah. giant robot. I'm still trying to figure out what robot he was, but he had <laughs> overkill like written on his legs. I don't, I don't know. know. He didn't look like Gundam to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not sure like, if I any know of the Gundam fans well. know. Wait a minute. I didn't, I couldn't he, tell. he was in a big armor. White and green. You know that Todd McFarlane has an overkill, overkill, but it's not. Oh, it's it's not he, didn't, no. he didn't resemble him. No, no. This, this guy was. He had to be on stilts or something. It was literally a seven foot tall costume. He wasn't seven feet tall. Uh-huh. It's just that he was. It was incredible. It was. It, it was really good. And then there was a young woman who went as Raven from. Um, Ooh, with the eyes. Yeah, and she had, and she had like these light up eyes things. I don't even know. I can't even call them glasses. They were just crazy. So like you know how on Ravens. Doing her thing, how her eyes just glow We're in the dark. Raven from the Teen Titans. Yeah, from yep. Teen Titans. Okay. So, I mean, just it was incredible. Like she, she was so detail oriented, and that's one thing I wanted to say. While I thought last year was better in terms of really large costumes, this year was better in terms of just the really stringent attention to detail. Yes, this yeah. was my first con, at least as an adult, you know, that I've been to. So I was like in Wonderland, like how Kid Fury said in our little intro. You know, he felt like he wished he could live there. And I felt the same way. Like, it was tiring, definitely. By the last day, I was definitely like, ugh. But even then, like, I took, I can't tell y'all, maybe 300 pictures of costumes. And by the last day, I was definitely like, okay. But then when all the colors of the Lantern Corps rolled up on me at once. Well, that's. You know, I just had to be, you know, I was like, okay, let me get these pictures again. You know, I was hyped once again. Because it was like, look, y'all, you know, the attention to detail, the like. The fact that they had every different color of the corpse, I was just like, come on. like." You and you know? know who it's probably great for, and this just occurred to me right now. Imagine you're George Perez, mm-hmm. and you see Raven. Mm-hmm. And this is a character you designed back in, like, 1980. Yeah. And, like, 33 years, years later, later, here's some girl and she was doing who, a good job she who, was statue i mean she was everything that raven was should yep. have been in real life probably wasn't even born, born. hell yeah, no, no definitely desk, not. and dc came up with some idea called the new teen titans which who who the hell knew how it would sell to see that person come before you and know that your work has made such an indelible impression mm-hmm. on american and possibly global culture that's Definitely a, that's global. A, that's an honor, man. Uh, yeah, a crazy honor. You know what I mean? So I think when they do that, in a way they pay tribute 
and respect to that, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. Well, wh- whoever created Deadpool probably really felt really honored because I definitely every time I turned around, <laughs> I saw Deadpool. Year. Yeah, that's Rob Lafield, right? Yeah, 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 yeah Rob yeah. Lafield, definitely. Yeah. I, I just want to say my, my favorite costume was uh, was the Oregon Trail. Oh, uh, there was definitely a girl who was dressed as a covered wagon that said, "You've got dysentery," and she had a little cowgirl oh, thing going. My. Yeah, yeah. you died of dysentery. Cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was cute. Definitely. And, uh, I just gave I give her. Uh, props for originality Hell and yeah. just uh you know the old school uh you know old school video game there like right. all these costumes we were talking about you can see right now on fanbros.com actually tomorrow when this show goes up we'll be posting another collection probably some of the best of because i still haven't put up the tv head dude and he definitely needs to go up there um other than that what else did you love from comic-con what was how was it speaking on the panel joe oh for bleeding cool you know it was really great because the main subject was DC Comics and everything that DC Comics has been going through in the past three Oof. years. But we didn't come they at They didn't it. throw tomatoes at you? No. Well, first of all, <laughs> first of all we, were, we, were, we were preaching to the converted. But the thing is, we weren't coming at it just as an attack. We really did this analysis of, well, what kind of business decisions are helping to govern the kind of books that Marvel puts out, the kind of books that DC puts out, and what kind of impact is Image Comics making, right? Because if you have the two big companies, and in some ways DC is reportedly becoming like a toxic environment for creators, then you have Image benefiting from that, and Image now becoming the new vertigo. So it's interesting how these business machinations are totally changing the landscape of comics. So that's what we did. We did a real analysis and... That's what was great about it. It was a real good back and forth, but Rich Johnson and I go way back, and the Bleeding Cool panel had some great people there, so it was just great to be a part of that, you know, as part of, like, my Friday night return to the New York Comic Con. And that's crazy that you say that, because that's also, like, how I, I mean, as a reader, not even, I mean, I've been kind of distrusted with the moves DC has made. I've never been the biggest DC fan, but... Like you said, Image is just turned into the new home for, like, creators, and they just have one of the strongest lineups. That was one of my favorite parts of the show, being there, getting to meet the some of the creators of my favorite books at Image, like Chu will be bringing you part of that interview, and uh, Mike Richardson over at Dark Horse, speaking to him, yep. speaking to all the creators at Dark Horse. Uh, while we're at that, speaking on that, let's cut to this quick interview real quick. Uh, we're going to bring you some of the creators from comic-con right here special delivery well not special delivery but we're bringing them to you special delivery right now on this episode of fair um, i have one question we ask all our fan bros um guests and I, what was the first thing that turned you on the comments or made you into the geek made you want to do this for a living what was it that uh, first got you it was uh I started reading Star Wars comics. Okay. And then uh, the old weird ones. The Archie Goodwin ones. Yeah. 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 And then that that was like I would go into Seven Eleven or you know my local grocery store uh, to pay thirty five cents yes. for a comic. Yeah. And uh, um, and then I'm like, oh, what's ROM? What's Micronauts? Yep. Uh, what's Shogun Warriors? And uh. then I'm like, oh, you know, I I bought all my toy comics. Uh, I guess I'll try Avengers. I guess I'll try Firestorm. And uh, and. Uh, then I branched out and I discovered Cerebus. Oh, and, uh, Sam. And, and in the 80s and, and, and like early 90s, everyone wanted to have their creator own. Everyone's like, I'm going to have my Cerebus. Yep. And I'm like, I'm going to have my Cerebus. Someday <laughs> I'm going to have my creator own book and world 
that has that's a novel with a beginning, middle, and end. Yep. And for a lot of people, that never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, all that stuff went away. Happened with Jeff Smith. Uh, and it's happening now. Yeah, know. there's a big creator on movement uh, now, obviously. But, uh, you know, I always wanted my Cerebus. And that kept me. And there'd be times in college when I was dead broke and I would get Cerebus once a month and nothing else. And then there'd be times where I, you know, I had a job and money. I'd, I'd buy 20 comics a month. But I, Cerebus kept me going to the comic book store, you know, for you know, for a good 15 years and kept me in comics. And I wanted to do that. And now this is it's my Cerebus. Cerebus. Well, that's awesome, man. Did you know they just brought back Rom and the Space Knights in Marvel? No. Welcome back, Fan Bros. Hope you're enjoying this very special episode of Fan Bros Show as we are bringing you all kind of news and information and greatness from New York Comic Con. But right now, we have to talk about New York Comic Con in another way. You know, the TV season is upon us now. Everything's in full swing. Uh, oh, and uh, before I even forget... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had its latest episode. It's, you know, it's been getting, um... Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I have not watched another episode since the first. Damn! <laughs> me, me neither. Damn! Me neither. I mean, Damn, Gina! I honestly have not watched one episode Damn. of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I, I mean, okay, let me be clear. My DVR has been recording it, and, like, I, I promise that I'll watch it, so I promise this weekend I will catch up. I don't, um, I won't promise that I like it. It is. I, no, no, I gotta keep, I gotta keep it real for you, DJ Ben. I mean, I'm not, and I am, and listen to me, and listen to me, I have been a fan of Joss Whedon since the very beginning. I got, I'm one of the brown coats. I will defend every season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I know what Dollhouse was really about. Oh. Dollhouse was making a statement on how society abuses women. Now, mm-hmm. I know that, yep. but I got to tell you about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. It's, it's lacking a, it's lacking a color. It's lacking a color, and, and let color. me tell you something. You look at the casting of Arrow. I don't watch Arrow either, but you got to give him props. I'm hearing Arrow's great. And listen, this season alone, they've added three black people to the wow. cast. Okay? So three black people in one season... Black people are making up something like, what, like 15% of the American population? But you have an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. poster, and you've got a bunch of white people and Ming Na Wen. Oh, and hey, no uh, brothers and sisters. They did bring I'm in sorry. a sister this episode. Oh, is yeah. she? An, is she, but is but she the, an agent of Shield? I don't think so. Well, see, well, then we have she was a on a control. She was on, a, she was on a, some spell. Control. Yeah, and oh. I'm not even sure if she survived the end of the episode. Yeah, oh. yeah I, I, I kind of oh. trailed off towards the end. I, I saw her that trailer with her, in, and I was like, oh. oh. Yeah. All right, when they get some <laughs> melanin up in Shield, someone give me a call, <laughs> and I will give that show a shot. Well, a show that did add some black people this season is The Walking Dead, who added like Kapow. I mean, amazing. They added yeah. like yo know, for a three, show that, yeah, that usually has four, one yeah. black man at a time rule. Right. Like I mean, no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, Walking Dead is like amazing. Like they'll have one black dude and then they'll bring in another one, and you know one of them's getting killed. <laughs> You know, like, they have done that repeatedly even, so it's like... I mean, they had the dude on who for, like, three seasons who had, like, a total of seven lines. Oh, man, yo. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo, long live T-Dog. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah exactly. T-Dog, T-Dog, brother. Oh, That's man. That's so funny. Like, I don't I don't watch the show, but I know the legend of, of T-Dog. T-Dog. <laughs> Everyone knows the <laughs> you know legend. <laughs> and how T-Dog became a magical Christian Negro, yeah. like, five <laughs> seconds before his yeah. death. Like, out of nowhere, never before in his seven lines did he ever mention that he was a Christian. Right. But 
20 seconds before he dies, God told me to do this. Well, <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, haven't you heard, like, these sophisticated writers think that exposition is highly overrated. Obviously, and story, and character. Um, but, yeah, The Walking Dead has returned. My man D'Angelo Barksdale has joined the cast. No. And if it yes. wasn't D'Angelo Barksdale, you thought he might have died in that scene. Like, he died, but you knew that they weren't going to kill him right off because he was, you know, deep. No, the only while. reason I knew that D'Angelo was going to survive longer is because I've seen him in other clips. Oh, okay. And I was thinking, actually, though, I was like, yo, what if those clips were just a, like right. a red herring? Yeah, exactly. And then, because, all right, first of all, I mean, I don't want to scream on, you know, the, I mean, they did bring another brother. But why he got to be an alcoholic? Right. Why does he almost get the rest right. of the cast killed right. over his love of the liquor? Love, love of liquor, right. <laughs> and there's a woman that they introduced. There's another There's another black woman on the show. Wasn't now. she on? She was on last season, she though, right? She was on last the season. The short hair with who oh, was... She, was she? She was on last season. The one who told um, yeah. Cuddy uh, from The Wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyrese. Tyrese. <laughs> oh, he is Tyrese. Yeah. How could I forget that he's playing Tyrese? Right, right, right. Because they give him no lines. Right. Maybe that's why. Um. Yeah, but... Okay, so yeah, okay, Cuddy. Uh, right, yeah, yeah, she was on last season. Okay. So yeah, so the um, Walking Dead has a total of three brown people, even though they're like right around Atlanta still, I think. Right. You know, but they're working on it. They're adding people in. Did you say Atlanta? Yeah, I mean that was the biggest complaint from the first season oh. was that the Walking Dead was there were no black zombies and yet it was literally <laughs> in the middle of Atlanta and it's like at the, black, the largest equal black middle class wait, wait, in all wait. of America. Are we gonna argue now? Equal opportunities for black zombies? Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. but what we have to argue is the lack of research and due diligence. Right. Because, you know, it's... Because, look... But I've it's, never been to Atlanta, look, and I know that, that you, you know what I mean? Like, But that's like saying you need to be at the core of the sun to know <laughs> no, like, what's going to happen to you at the core of the sun. Like, look, I remember... That's what... You know, like, I love, loved when Brian Michael Bendis wrote Daredevil, but its mm. true flaw was, dude, that's not Hell's Kitchen. Right. right. Like... Yeah. Hell's Kitchen has been totally renovated. There's like a condominium <laughs> complex. There's a Pinkberry over there. Yep. It's like, what are you talking yeah. about? So yeah, if you're going to have like this zombie fiction happen in Atlanta and the black population is minimal, like we have a problem. Right, they could just set it in Toronto or something <laughs> like that. You, know? like, you, could, you could just utilize Google Maps. Right, right. And you could just see like black people walking on this, <laughs> this right, street right, right. to get a sense of some kind of population percentage. Oh, Maybe we just got away. Maybe we just nice like that. We didn't get zombified. But, but Chico, you know, you talked about it this week on special delivery. You know, um, the general consensus, I saw some people saying, like you said, it was a table setting episode. So they're just introducing a new setup. Right. Uh, Combat Jack on Twitter was like, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't, yeah, he he wasn't feeling it at all. I, 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 I wasn't action, mad. Yeah, I thought that action scene was, was uh, really dope, good. Dope. Like the zombies falling through the roof. And splattering. Dope stuff with lighting. Because I, I also. Definitely. I also feel like they got to come up with some new stuff. Like there's only so much you could show them just stabbing zombies <laughs> in the eye, stabbing them under the chin. You know. I liked uh, D'Angelo's. Picking at the yeah, zombie. That yeah. was a that was a good attempt to kill right. it. Let me just try and dig my fingers right, into, into the, your brain. Into the brain. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. So I but uh, I haven't had an issue with most of the pilot not pilots first episodes. Yep. It, the, the show sort of loses the train like in like episode six or seven of the season. <laughs> Although with Andrea dead, maybe oh, that would have happened. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I, I thought I made this comment on Twitter. I, the funniest part of the episode to me was when D'Angelo was trying to pick at the zombie, 
instead of his love for the liquor uh, won't let him pick up a bottle and just right. smash the zombie in the head. I, didn't, no. I actually didn't think of that. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, there's all kind of liquor next to you, but your love of it, you won't smash the right. zombie in the head with it. So, yeah, it's it's setting up. You know, we really can't talk too much about Walking Dead. It's still just in the beginning well, stages this season. There's going to be some kind of disease situation. I mean, that Oh, Harry Rotter. And then... Oh, is that what? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I'm going with. Harry Rotter uh, died in the prison. <laughs> but the uh, like when they showed the pig, like there was a pig that was sick, and then yep. the pig died. And a lot of these diseases jump from pigs to humans. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's going to be a whole disease thing this Definitely. season. Um, and so that that's interesting. And the the governor, governor is still out there. We know he's going to return. Right, Michonne has a horse. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so she's got a horse and a katana. So if she wanted to go back to like fourteen hundred, <laughs> she could ride sad. around chopping exactly. off heads real quick. Exactly. Ride around and get it. Um, yeah, but another great show or good show. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still in the air about. Well, you're not rocking with it. No what more? about Boardwalk? Yeah. Um, thing is, this, this, <laughs> this is what I've always said about Boardwalk Empire. I feel like it's a good show that looks great. That's not a great yeah. show. You know, it's. It looks great, but it's really, and especially this season so far, it's really been like, all right, you know, like. I, I generally agree with that. Like, I, I might say it's a very good show that looks great, but it's not a great yeah, show that there looks we go. great. And, yeah. and, and it could be, like, the best-looking show on TV. Definitely. Um, And they've definitely added uh, several characters of color. I mean, we've talked about them before, but we cannot, you know, even though he doesn't have near enough lines for me, Jeffrey Wright is, you know, as usual, kicking ass and taking names. Uh, the woman who plays his daughter, great singer. Is that supposed to be his daughter? I thought her name was daughter. Like, I thought that was actually her name. <laughs> oh, shoot. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name is daughter, but we oh, don't know. Oh, okay. She is. But yeah, I mean. Her acting, though. It's fu- No shots. Right, right. <laughs> you know, she look, was in she was she was in Rent apparently. Not every not everyone can be Jeffrey Wright. Right? <laughs> no, there we go. Not, there know, we there go. can only be That's one Jeffrey Wright. There we That's go. The I truth. mean, I actually started watching the show this season for a number of reasons. I mean, now that there's kind of getting into the Harlem Renaissance, mm-hmm. I'm actually co-writing a graphic novel in the Harlem Renaissance with Sean Martinborough who does Thief of Thieves for Robert Kirkman's image imprint Skybound. So Shout out. obviously Obviously, it's like, okay, I have to see how this is being portrayed in other media and where certain historical research aligns. So that was one reason. But, yeah, once you see Dr. Narcisse and what he's about and you understand what's happening during the Renaissance at that time, the layers are pretty interesting for me. So not only am I watching this season, but I've now gone back and I'm starting to watch season three. So now I'm getting introduced to Bobby Cannavale's character. Oh, I mean, at the same time I'm dealing woo, with Doctor Narcisse. Woo, so it's Zeddy. like a very woo. yeah, it's like a very interesting <laughs> parallel thing that's going on for me, and I'm enjoying it. I have to say that season three is the first time where I thought the show was great. Yeah, you know, like Bobby. Oh my God, he yeah. was just. Um, I mean, you know, he radiated evil and fear and like you know controlled rage throughout the season, like. That was just amazing acting right there. But I have to tell you, um, recently Sean Martinborough and I had the honor of visiting the Boardwalk Empire Onyx set. Mm. Um, you know, t- um, Terrence Winter, the creator of the show, was kind enough to allow us that tour. And I have to tell you, 
it's a beautiful set. And the Onyx and, is the club owned by owned by uh, Chucky but, White. Exactly, and I just had to take a bunch of pictures to it. And I love the attention to detail. So you know, one of the things when you think about these shows that you love, you got to give props to like the set decorators, the production designers. You know, all these people who are behind the scenes who are helped creating this magic. You know what I'm saying? Can we shout out to the dancers? Actually, uh, two very good friends of mine, Maude and Chloe Arnold, nice. are two of the dancers who are at the um, Onyx Club. So you'll see them. They, I think they had like, they total did six episodes. So I think they've been in like three so far. So you'll probably see them again this Excellent. season. Well, you know some superhuman beings because dancers, uh, I mean, they have like amazing physical strength, stamina, flexibility. They're like superheroes, man. Let me stop there. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> what up, Maud? Sorry, what up? sorry, sorry. Did I, did I just go into the Fifty Shades of Grey? Did I just go? Did I just go out of the R and into the X? Oh uh, yeah. Shout out to Maud and Chloe. Um, you know, since we're talking about R and X, we can also talk about another show that I've been catching this season, American Horror Story. Uh, all right, this is my first season watching it. I kept hearing the hype. I kept hearing blah blah blah. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But, you know, people, all the fan bros, like, no, you need to watch it. So I started watching with this season, American Horror Story to Coven. And, my God, that, that joint is damn good, Joe. Like, I mean, they, they have assembled one of the best casts yeah, that you could imagine. Like, this is just every great actress damn near ever. Yeah, I really have to check that show out. Oh, um, Lord, yeah. But I've been told one thing that's brilliant about it is basically using the same cast members every season but having them play different characters yeah, in different each, each season they is do totally okay yeah totally story, different different stories yeah and then they have the same actors Jessica Lang has been in it. Oh, okay, season. I didn't know that. That woman Frances Conroy like they basically have a Sarah Paulson there's about 8 or 10 actors that are in every season and then there are some people who are just in that season like Angela Bassett That's was it. not in former seasons. Queen. Kathy Bates was yep. in former seasons. Um, the woman who plays Precious Gabor, I, I'm not, I, I don't know her name. Ga- uh, um, Gabaret. Gabaret, yeah. Si- Gabaret Sidibe. Yes, yeah, she. she you go, Tatiana. That's what's seasons. up. No, her she, name. She's killing it this season yeah. too. Oh man, she's killing. It. Angela Bassett's doing her thing. Kathy Bates. It's, Emma Roberts, I think, is in it. Yep, uh, yep, her, yeah. yep. Yeah, it is. I mean, like I said, I've never watched it before this season, but I'm glad it's you know self-contained story, so you can just jump right in. You know, uh, this is the second episode just aired this week. I highly recommend it to all our listeners. Looks good. Well done. Script. So far, I mean, it's an interesting story. It's not that, you know, like the dialogue isn't going to blow you away, but the actresses are just, I mean, I can't, you know. They chew the scenery. Too. Oh, man, they do they? They the are, yeah, they, they, they are. They, it's like they're all having fun with yeah, it. You exactly. know, they, they're not taking it too seriously. They are going in like sounds like a win yeah it's definitely a win so far so definitely check out american horror story like we say boardwalk empire i mean for my man jeffrey alone definitely walking dead you know i mean we're, we're gonna we're always gonna stick with the walking dead 16 you know 16 million people watch that Sunday yo night. That's, football that's numbers yeah literally I um mean. I was speaking to Sean Kirkman, uh, Robert Kirkman's brother, at the Image booth at Comic-Con, in fact, and I was telling him my horrible tale of my Walking Dead uh, loss, um, but that's a whole other episode for another story. But I, when I mentioned to him that we'd love to have some of them on the show or something, he's like, yeah, we always need more press. And I was like, ah, I think you're doing pretty good right now yourselves, you know, and he gave me that, yeah, look. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely gave me the, yeah, I, I go home and swim in money look. So shout out to Sean Kirkman, shout out to Strybound, shout out to Image Comics, Robert, 
doing your thing. Congratulations on all the success. They recently announced a spinoff show coming, which, I mean, with 16 million viewers, Jesus, like, they'll probably have two more Walking Dead shows before next year's out. Walking Dead channel. Yeah. <laughs> and that was really a brilliant business move, and that's the thing. Like, basically... The Robert Kirkman operation is mm. so shrewdly handled. Yes. And the fact that you have this second spinoff show now, that one is unconstrained by comic book continuity yep. and pressures. So you can just do whatever the hell you like. So when I read that, I mean, I was like, wow, I must tip my hat again to this man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get tired of tipping my hat to him. Yeah. But that is just a well-run machine. And I'm pleased by the fact that Walking Dead came out what, 11 years ago? Yeah, they're having their uh, 10. They're having their 10th and anniversary right now. has better ratings than a Marvel TV show. Books outsell all other books. Yeah. You know, and so that kind of gives you hope that you can create something and it can be a powerhouse in a decade. What? I mean, that, like, I, I tell people all the time, I can specifically remember walking by in the comic book store, seeing issue number one with Rick on the cover, drawn by Tony Moore. And I was like, oh, that's a dope title, Walking Dead. And I always liked, you know, George Romero. So I remember I told a dude, put it on the show, you know, put it on my hold list. I came back for it a couple weeks later, bought like the first four issues. And that was it. You know, I was hooked from there. And I've been reading since. I love Invincible, Kirkman's other book. He's just one of the best writers. And to see him come from the early issues when he would be in the letters page, like, yo, please tell your friends to buy my book. I don't want to get canceled. To where he is now is just like so inspiring. So yeah, shout out to all of them. Uh, with that, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more fan bros. Yo, this is how we do it, man. On fan bros on the loudspeaker network. I want y'all to not touch your iPod, your pod, your turning channel, your digital download. This is how we do it. The speaker plug in the digital network. Zilla, you G-O-D. I'm out of here, man. Pieces, love, kisses, and all that. And welcome back, Internets. I hope that break wasn't too long. You're back here with the Fan Bros Show. We're about to get into our big fall movie discussion. But right now, still the number one movie in the country, I think. Is it two weeks in a row? Something like that. Yo, I swear, I was uh, during Comic-Con. I was leaving Comic-Con one night. Friday night, leaving Comic-Con, walking down 42nd Street, right? Or 34th. 34th. Walked by the movie theater. Damn line down the block for Gravity. At the AMC, right? At the AMC. Uh, what, two Fridays after it came yep, out? Yep, line yep. still down the block. Oh. I had to ask people what they were in line for. I was there. I went. When I saw it, I saw it like the, the week it opened. But it was a Sunday, middle of the day, where you think it's just going to be a bunch of grannies there. Packed movie yeah, theater. Definitely. I got there like 40 minutes early. Packed. Packed. Are um, a lot of grannies going to see Gravity? Grannies, <laughs> grannies, now you'd be surprised. Grannies be uh, movie hopping. Yo, for real. No, for real. Like, yeah. they be seeing, that's, that's true. you know, no. three, four, five four movies. movies in a day. Yeah. Well, you know With why? that five-finger discount. But yep. exactly, they're the only ones that get a reasonable ticket price anymore. Right. Mm. Yep. Know? And then they can also just walk from movie theater but, to movie theater. But that's theater. what I'm saying. They, right. they get a good ticket price for one movie, movie yeah. and then they do what they oh, want to do. Because right, right, nobody's right. still bothered you know, a granny. This is going to stop them being like, that's when you really Where are you going? You don't have a conscience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, I went middle of, you know, middle of any, some random day, packed. You were on AMC on 34th Street. Yeah, packed. packed. This this movie is a phenomenon at this point. Definitely. And uh, we haven't got to talk about it on the show yet. Uh, it's been out for a couple weeks. I'm a, you know, I've already said something earlier in the show, but I'm going to try and not spoil too much about it. But the main things I really want to talk about Gravity are, first of all, uh, Alfonso... Quaron. 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 
Uh, I've seen City of Men before. Ch- Children of Men. Children of Men. Yeah, I'm Beast of a movie, but I mean, God, it, it's it, Gravity is just like it's unreal, yo. It's like one of the best directed movies I've seen. The uh, beyond Avatar, which I thought was revolutionary in its 3D, I thought Avatar was a terrible, dumb movie. We've talked about this before, but the 3D alone, I went and saw that joint twice in IMAX, and I want to go back and see Gravity again in IMAX 3D. Yeah, if you, if you can see this in IMAX 3D, yes, and the biggest screen possible, yeah, sit in the middle of the theater and watch this movie, y'all. Uh, it is, I mean, it's unreal the direction. It opens with like a shot that might be 14 minutes long. There's a Beautiful continuous shot. long shot that is like over 10 minutes, and it's just amazing because you don't even realize that it's this one long shot till it's over because just the way the camera's moving around, the way George Clooney and Sandra Bullock are moving around. Yeah, I mean, you could say a little bit about it because everyone knows it's based out in space. Yes. So, it's, obviously, it's a shot of Earth. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone, for the most part, have seen his shots of Earth from, from, from space, whether it's on PBS or whatever, what have you. It's so, so a lot of people are going to say, eh, we've seen it before. Not like nah. this. <laughs> Not like this. Not like this. You you you're basically damn near in a spaceship yourself. Yeah. And yeah. you and you're just it, it really is um an experience, a whole body experience. And and it's funny to say that in a movie theater when when it's such a passive experience. Usually when you watch a movie all you're doing is sitting there watching. This you feel enveloped. Yeah. Right? into the scene until everything that's happening is very good yeah he he does that like in children of men Mm -hmm. the entire last sequence like the last half hour is like three ten minute shots that are like edited together in such a way that it actually feels like Uh, one long shot yeah it's one of the most extraordinary things i've ever seen on film well you are a genius yeah you are going to be blown away chico as i appreciate you know as an appreciator that's my new word of the day appreciator of film you know you yeah you are going to be blown away uh one thing i definitely want to mention i feel like there hasn't been uh, mentioned enough is that Sandra Bullock is killing this movie. Like, without giving too much away, she carries a lot of the movie on her own. She carries the movie. Yeah, and it is just—it's like I feel like there's not enough credit because like when Will Smith does it in I Am Legend, when um, Tom Hanks did it in Castaway, you know, yeah. everybody just you know running. Around, oh my God, they carry this movie. You know, give them an Oscar, and nobody's really saying that about Sandra. They're all talking about the direction and the effects and all that. But she is really, you know, the mainstay of this movie. Like, she is your emotional character that you Mm -hmm. attach to. She takes you through it, you know. The camera is always on her. Yeah. And Like, 90% of the time, the camera's trained on her. Yeah, and you don't realize. Like, once again, like with I Am Legend or with Castaway, you don't realize that you're only... Like, it wasn't until we were talking about it afterwards, and I was like, yo, you're right. Like, there ain't nobody else in this damn movie. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I mean, really. Like, like, really. And, And the fact that I also wanted to bring up was... Even if you look at it on the most base levels, there is something inserted in the movie that anyone could relate to. Yep. There is a drama factor, clearly. There's mm-hmm. a psychological factor. Mm-hmm. There's religious factors. Yes. There's, uh, uh, you know, if, if you're just a, a cinematography geek, Oof. it's all in there. Uh, oh, if if you're um, an or- orchestral geek, it's all oh. in there. I mean, honestly, anything you can think of, it's in there, and it's packaged in such a balanced way that I really and, and and this is taking it from someone who, who can find some wrong and some stuff. I really don't understand how you can find something really truly wrong with this movie. No. Like even like you were saying, the orchestra and the sound direction, you know, there's a moment that I cannot spoil halfway through the movie, maybe three quarters of the way in the movie, where they use sound in such a way that I'm telling you are going to jump out of your damn seat. Yeah. Like it is one of the moments where you're gonna be Sitting there holding your seat rest like, oh, because just the way the sound is used in that scene. And and, I, and I, I'm not quite sure if I've ever seen or heard it used in that way, like in yeah. any movie ever. No, I... I like, like they... I'm, 
I can't think of it offhand. No, if I, I have, yeah, I can't. Y'all are crazy. Y'all have me salivating now. Now I have to see this IMAX 3D, 3D. with my fiance. Yes, no, you, you do. do. And so I, basically, yeah. that's a hundred dollars. And I yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just want to make if sure you I get the small popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, good. And a lot of people, like a lot of people, were hyping it up. Obviously, before the movie came out, so I was fearful that oh my god, these people are hyping it up. Yeah. I'm gonna get there. We're hyping it up, but for good reason. Yep. Please do yourself a favor and see this. All right. And, and speaking of another greatly hyped movie of the fall is opening this weekend. Well, actually, already opened in New York, opens the 31st nationwide, is 12 Years a Slave, which everyone I've heard who's seen it so far is just like, whoa, my boy hit me. I, somehow he's down in Houston, LOYC, got a pa- press pass to it, saw it. And the first thing he said to me was, Django Unchained is not a movie about slavery. 12 Years a Slave is a movie about slavery. For those who don't know, 12 Years a Slave follows the story of... Solomon Northrup is the guy. Is the Sol- real guy the real, it's a, a real story. Real story. Yeah. Moving on. Let him know, Chico. Solomon Northrup was a, a, a free black man who lived in Saratoga, New York, and he was a violin player or some kind of, uh, some, some kind of musician, and he joined a circus to play as a musician, and when he was in Washington, D.C., he got drugged, and he woke up in chains and was sold into slavery and was literally spent 12 years as a slave and he couldn't let the people know that he had been a free man that he knew how to read that he knew how to write that he had been free and had a family and it is my understanding is that it is i mean it is the hol- i mean it's the holocaust i mean it is they don't they don't pull any punches the um and it's extraordinarily well acted he he goes he he goes through a series of um plantations and has a series of masters and i mean uh, eventually uh, he does manage to get back to his family and he writes the book 12 years yeah yeah, Yeah. exactly and and writes a book that was published in 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 the 1850s because i think this happened in the in like 1840 and um yeah antebellum yeah yeah Yeah. um and uh it it has a a pretty magnificent cast it's directed pitt it's directed by a British director, okay. which has a whole political thing because there are issues with white directors constantly directing movies about slavery. Yep. And for whatever it's worth, this guy is white, but Britain did not ha- doesn't have the history of slavery that America does. Like, we're still dealing today with issues from that. And yeah. I'm not saying that Britain doesn't have its own problems with race. Yep. But I do think that it is one step removed when you have a British guy directing it. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been, you know, that it wouldn't be a different movie or, you know, a more appropriate movie. But it's just worth pointing out it's a British guy who directed it. Right. But the screenwriter is John Ridley. That's right. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, the John Ridley's John a brother. Ridley. And okay. from what I understand, nice. this director and John had been wanting to work together mm. for something on a while. Now, admittedly, I'm basing this on an interview I saw with John Ridley and Chris Hayes on All In with Chris Hayes on MSNBC. But he said they had been wanting to work together for a while. This, you know, came forth. And I think you could count on John Ridley to kind of bring some kind of, I don't know, verisimilitude and historical context and gravitas to it. And so I understand what you're saying, but I imagine that's where the balance is. And it's also probably interesting if the director accomplished what people are saying this film is yes. without that background. Yes. Like, yes. Like, that's even more of a statement that I don't have to be 
black to understand pain, mm. to understand injustice, to understand adversity. And what I would like to see done is I'd like to see all the black parents take their black kids to go see this movie. Because sometimes I think these young people today, to them adversity is I left my iPhone home. Uh, mm. I'm yeah. not going to have it for 12 Speak hours. Right. And it's like, no, you don't don't know what adversity True is. True indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't know and you need some perspective. So the next time you think about disrespecting your mom or disrespecting your dad or disrespecting your grandmom, you will kinda understand. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I love it, Joe. Love it. You know, yeah, bring man. bring some gravitas to it. And, like, and you dropped the word on him. And you dropped Dude. the word on him. I didn't. I didn't realize how sick this cast was. Yeah. And how huge this cast. Who's was. it got in it? I mean, you have so at the, on the lead you have you have Chibatel Ilfor as Solomon. Yep. Um, you have uh, Kovajne Wallace in there. Um, I guess she plays one of his uh, uh, daughters. Daughters. Yep. yep. Um, you have uh, Michael Fassbender, who is who was um, what Magneto. Shame and Magneto. Magneto people yep. from being Magneto. There's Paul Giamatti's in here. Oh wow! Yeah, you have Paul Dano, who was uh, Eli, who was Eli Sunday in uh, There Will Be Blood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a lot. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. I obviously. think he's a slave owner, a slave master. In he's he's a he's a Canadian abolitionist. Oh, okay. So, so Brad Brad's you know playing his playing himself basically. In <laughs> <the movie>. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Oh, I said the same thing about World War Z. Yeah, I felt like World War Z was Brad Pitt, you know, like on screen. Like he saved a little brown baby in it. You know, it was Brad Pitt's right. life, you just, know, just, just with zombies. Just like life. Yeah, but um, another, you know, a few other movies coming out this uh, weekend are the Carrie remake. Which looks pretty good. I think I'm gonna go see it this weekend. I'm gonna see it. It yeah. got my girl in it. Got hit girl in it, man. Yep. Is yep. it like the third or fourth Carrie it is. remake? No, is it? It is. Yeah. Really? It's, it's what? the third. I. I mean, it's like, the third. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Carrie. Carrie. So when did Carrie first come out? Like 70s Sissy, something. Sissy Spacek. Then yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Then Sissy Spacek, and you know that's actually on Netflix. So if you guys never seen Carrie, look it up on Netflix. Oh, it's great. There's another <laughs> a remake. Another remake came out in the 90s. Really? Yeah. yeah in, the in the late nineties, <laughs> there may have Hold been on. there may have been one that snuck in between I that time. About I forgot that. You're right. You are right. lying. No, I dead ass. ass. There may have been another one that snuck in between that time, but here we are. Fast forward, twenty thirteen. Carrie part either three or four. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Starting it, girl. They're all going to laugh at you yet again. So basically, <laughs> what is it? It's, it's Chloe Moretz and Julianne Moore. Yes. yes. And wow. Julianne Moore, mm, mm, mm. Wow. shout out to her. Yes, we love you over here. Well, I love you over here, wow. Julianne. Yeah, ever since uh, Boogie Nights. <laughs> well, yeah. Julianne is bucking the system Amber because mm. we know how Hollywood is with like women. Once they get over thirty, like yeah. you're out of like, here. Sc- like Scarlett Johansson did an interview recently where she basically said how she's got to basically like alter her hustle. Because she knows that she's close to being a senior. Damn, citizen. Scarlett in jo- Hollywood. In Hollywood Scarlett time, Johansson. And honestly, in Hollywood time, your time is up. Exactly. Hey, so basically, like Julianne Moore is bucking the system, right? You I- know, so you got to give credit to her on that front. And I hope Hit Girl is like watching the clock. <laughs> 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 like, and, and Chloe, Chloe Grace is like, you know what, what I'm saying? 17? Yeah, she's not even 18. <laughs> she's not even 18 yet. So. Yo, in Hollywood, time, time is running out. Time travels at four <laughs> times the rate of like human life. Yeah. Wow. So she better like check the clock 
right now. It's worth pointing out, I think Scarlett Johansson's next movie, she doesn't appear <laughs> in the movie, it's just her voice. Uh-oh. And they're talking about they're talking about Oscar nomination for just her voice because really? she's so incredible. Yeah. Which I just want to say What's the movie? Um like it, it, well, I, I I don't know the name of the movie. I just yeah. I just read this article, but I just think if she gets an Oscar nomination for that and like my boy Andy Circus who played Gollum oh, didn't get an, uh, no, an Oscar nomination. No. Like, that's not I love right. Gollum too, but uh speaking of Andy Circus and everything, that's another movie news this week. Uh Vin Diesel was walking around on stilts talking about that he was going to one-up Andy Serkis for his role. He's playing Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Remember right, when right, we were talking right, about right. this? Y'all was like, no, he not. Yes, he freaking yep, is. Yeah, he's playing Groot, and it's so funny <laughs> because I went to JHU Comic Books today on 32nd Street there between Park and Mad, and don't you know, like, you got to give it to the brilliance of Marvel because there it is. You got the one shot of Rocket Raccoon yep. and Groot. Yeah. And let me tell you what that is. That's not a comic book. That is an advertisement for <laughs> for two of the biggest selling toys yes. for next year. Oh, hell because yeah. Because it's just like, you know, Rich Johnston said on Bleeding Cool when they did that kind of photo spread with 38 different people with a rocket raccoon toy. What? Yeah. Everyone is going to want a rocket raccoon toy, and now everyone is going to want a Vin a Groot toy. Yep. And Vin Diesel's no fool. No. So that, prob- that dude probably said, you know what? No paycheck. I want two point five percent of the group. Get the back of end. The group Get the back end of the group. Because the group toy sales, man. Dude, smart about it. Dude is gonna be bathing in group <laughs> cash. And uh, Vin Diesel also, they say, I mean, he's playing Groot, but this is also a setup for him to play a bigger role later on in one of the Marvel roles. Like he's he mentioned something about starting an own franchise or even like a combining of franchises. Wow. So we might see some Sony Marvel Studios crossover with his movie. Wow. Yeah, it might be big things. And, you know, I love Vin Diesel. You know, I mean, he's not the greatest actor, you know, but he's Vin Diesel. Like, he does his thing. Okay. Like, he stays in his lane. But, but wait, yes. can we cross over? Fast and Furious with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh. <laughs> Can we just do that shit? I mean, Fast like, and have, Furious. Like, have Vin Diesel and, like, Paul Walker in, like, <laughs> flying car. Like, wait a minute. Like, you take the Fast and the Furious thing and you add flying S.H.I.E.L.D. cars. Fast and if Furious that happens, is fucking, I'm not showing up. It's fucking no. up. Don't you're, ask. you're showing no, up. No, I'm not. You're showing up. I am. Because it takes the defiance of gravity to a whole new level. <laughs> you are going to be there day one. And, and Fast and the Furious is a fan bro's favorite over here because we love how they've just taken this um, series and like just been like, F it. You know, like yeah. anything you can imagine, we're going to do it. You know, so I love Fast and Furious. Guardians of the Galaxy is looking really good. Props to Vin Diesel. Yeah, definitely. Um, from ha- there. Has anyone, I'm sorry, but has anyone seen um, Zoe Saldana? No. Oh, oh she's, she's, she's playing Gamora. Gamora. Oh, no, she's playing, playing Gamora. Gamora. Yeah. Oh, right, because um, they haven't the shown Doctor her. Who chick is playing. Because Gamora. everyone's been talking about all these other folks, and I'm like, yeah, has anyone seen? They've shown a uh, dude from Walking Dead. Um, Norman Reedus? Yeah, Norman Reedus right. is uh, playing the blue... St- it's Zandu? No. Z- Zandu, I think. Is it Zandu? Oh, Yandu. 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 He's playing Yandu. They've shown him. They still haven't shown uh, Benicio Del Toro. And the rumor is that he's the collector. 
But that hasn't wow. been confirmed. I mean, I said he could play it without makeup. Right. But that's still not confirmed. Because Ben, I mean, rude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yo, I mean, those, they had me sold when they said that Glenn Close was the head of the Nova Corps. Yeah. Yes. I was yes. like, ticket sold. <laughs> then, then, I mean, Marvel ticket is. Ticket sold. And, like, and I wanted to mention another thing. That's one thing you have to say about Marvel. Like you said, the one shot, they're selling their toys. But Marvel, yo, I think they are, like, so genius right now with not only with their layout of their films and how they build these universes but also how they are getting kids from day one like you have superhero squad for the little kids yep and that explains everyone you know it's got every character in it so a little kid knows who thanos is right now yo cradle to grave yeah there it is and then (laughs) after that they're gonna have the mighty avengers cartoon which comes on so if you grew up on superhero squad now you can graduate to mighty avengers and start watching that still get more indoctrinated with the characters and then the movies are just wham, wham, toys, wham, wham, video games, Dude, wham, wham. It's 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 surgical precision. Not I mean, playing. You know, like I said, when when I reconnected with New York Comic Con over the weekend, it was to see old buds that I haven't seen in a while. You know, and I saw uh, my man Axel Alonso, the editor in chief of Marvel, because uh, I knew him working back on from the days the when show. I was at DC. You know, and he was at Vertigo, rocking it with Human Target and Johnny yep. Bubble. Yep. And then we just chilled out for a few minutes. I sent him an email afterwards, and I ended the email with. Keep kicking seventeen hundred broads, but <laughs> yeah. keep kicking their butt. They are putting and their foot on the neck. I mean, the way they do business, they should be in Forbes magazine. For real, there are no accidents in their strategy, none. And it's like if you could have seen that from Iron Man, it's like come on now. Yo, the master plan. Oh. Now they're talking. I love how they talk about it in phases. Yeah, they're right. like phase three. Three. Yeah, <laughs> and we're still in the beginnings of phase two right what? now. Phase. Three, where you, it's, I mean, it's called not playing. Exactly. No, it smacks of like a super villain with his big plan, like a James Bond villain. Yeah. Like in phase one, we will take over Asia. <laughs> and in phase two, we will take over Africa and Australia. And in phase three, we will take over the whole world. But the only difference is like they shot James Bond and right. then they started right, reading right, the plan. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. So um, with that, let's take a quick break. We're going to bring you another snippet of our interviews from Comic-Con. And you're going to be able to see the whole thing in full and hear the whole thing in full on fanbros.com. Word up. This one is from old boy actor Michael. Don't let me butcher his name. Imperioli. Imperioli. We got a quick clip of our roundtable interview. He's going to be an old boy coming out very soon, November 28th. We saw some clips from it at Comic-Con. Uh, to make it real quick, that Samuel L. Jackson scene that you've seen in the trailer is way more gross than you could ever imagine. Oh man, so disturbing. And with that, we'll be right back. Um, how much background did you have on the old boy itself? Just the iconic status of the movie, the fact that you were remaking a beloved uh, series, you know, thing, if you will. So, I mean, how did you feel? Did you have like a particular understanding that okay, I have to do the, I have to really throw this out the park, like anything? Well, hopefully, you always want to try to get it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you don't think that, then you're in trouble. But um. I didn't see the original, so which I was happy I did because I, I like to approach things without any preconceptions or any, any other ideas. And, uh, uh, so for me, it wasn't you know I just got the script which I read and was shocked by you know the ending was just so bizarre, and, you know, unexpected, but. Um, a really entertaining script. Mark is a rare screenwriter because. His screenplays kind of read like almost like novels. Like the stage directions aren't just like technical kind of informative things. He's very artful, 
in the way he writes his screenplay. So you, it, they're, they're really enjoyable reads. It's one of the, one of the, I think the most enjoyable read I've ever had. I know I, I read a lot of scripts, but he really makes it fun. So uh, it, I was really impressed. I had it. I got him. It was really funny because Mike called me last September. So he said, uh, "Mark, what's up?" We're working together again. I'm so excited. I said, what? He goes, we're doing the movie. Oh, I said, Spike. What are you saying? Old boy, you're playing Josh's friend. I'm like, he goes, your agent didn't tell you? I said, no. I said, look, Spike, I'm really happy, but I don't know what you're talking about. And welcome back, Internet, to this very special edition of Fan Bros Show, recapping the New York Comic Con. And, you know, since it's New York Comic Con, I guess it's time for my favorite part of the show, Comics I Caught, which this week or last week, I'm not sure. Actually, this week, the new Avengers and Avengers came out. Infinity, written by Jonathan Hitman, the fourth issue came out. So we're almost through with Infinity now. I've been covering every issue. We got two more issues left. Um, Yeah, I, I okay, I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to talk about Infinity because I, I love Jonathan Hitman's work. I love the Avengers. The lead up to Infinity has been so damn good. The Avengers and New Avengers are two of the best books out. But I, I, I have to lie. I, mean, I can't lie. Infinity has kind of left me like, uh, I don't know. Like, it's not as bad as when Age of Ultron was going on, where I was just like reading every issue with complete distrust. And like, there's no way you'll wrap this up well. I, I'm not sure how he's going to wrap up Infinity. I kind of have this bad feeling, though, that Infinity seems to be wrapping up to lead to yet another big event. That's the way these days. It's yeah. all about just leading to another big event, another crossover, another way to get your $3 like yeah. 20 times. Yeah, and that that's kind of irking me. $60. Because, I really, like I say, Avengers has been one of the best books. It's been so well plotted out. There's been seeds planted from the very first issue that are now coming to life. And then, like, even this week, there's the two sister titles, Avengers and New Avengers. One of them uh, featuring the Avengers that are off in space battling this big infinity threat. And I was like, man, this is whatever, you know? Like, I was really annoyed by the end of the issue. I was like, oh, okay, this is just trash. And then you turn over to the new Avengers, which has the Illuminati on Earth, where they're battling Thanos and this other big um, event thing that's been happening since their first issue, where these Earths are colliding because the universe is falling apart on itself, and these Earths are colliding, and they've been made having to make the choice of whether or not to destroy these alternate reality Earths and thus killing other universes. And so this Illuminati group, Black Panther, Reed Richards, uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Man have been making these tough choices, Beast, and they've been destroying these other universes. And so, like I said, I picked up the Avengers, read it, was like, meh, but then you pick up the new Avengers, and it's like, God, this is so good, and it's written by the same person. So I think, you know, this week's Avengers might have just been a misstep, and it'll all wrap together well, because Jonathan Hitman's a beast, and Mike Diodato, am I saying his name yeah, right? Yeah, Mike Diodato. Yo. He's a, I mean, I've known about him before this, but God, God, I mean, yo, dude is a monster. Like, yo, he is one of the best artists I've ever seen. Like, he's Brazilian. He's down in Brazil. Wow, yeah. yo, he is such a beast, dude. Like, I mean, he, the, he had this double page shot of the spaceship on this issue of Avengers that was just incredible. Uh, this alien reaching into Doctor Strange's head in one shot. It was just, it's a great book. As always, Hickman, Avengers, Infinity, pick it up. Like I said, you will not go wrong with that. So, um, also, you know, it's time for my second favorite part of the show. 
Chico Leo's Netflix pick of the week. So, so previously, a lot, a lot of fan bros had been recommending uh, Arrow, and I hadn't seen it because I hadn't, uh, I hadn't gotten with it when it first came. If on you it. say Smallville, we have a problem. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, so I, Arrow's second season just started, and when the second season started, the first season went to Netflix. Okay. And earlier this week, I, I only watched the pilot, but I was very pleasantly surprised by the pilot. Mm. I, I, I thought it was really good. Um, I haven't seen the other episodes. Um, so I can't really totally recommend the series as my Netflix yep. pick of the week, but I'm going to say based on the pilot and from what people are saying, like Joe earlier about the second season, um, and some other people have been bigging up the second season that the second season, uh, is even better than the first. Yeah. I've heard and that. I thought it was really good superhero stuff. And for me, I thought it was way better than either the tomorrow people pilot or the, um, which is a new show that's wait, on right well, now. Hold on, wait. The Tomorrow People, like Jack Kirby's Tomorrow People? No, it's ah. the Tomorrow People that's like X-Men, except they're like really white and really pretty. <laughs> oh, you just hurt my feelings. And, and they live like the Morlocks. Can't Kirby's, well, Kirby's dead, but can't somebody sue for... No, that's the Forever People. Oh, you're it's the thinking Forever of. People. Yeah, no, the okay. Tomorrow People okay. was like some British sci-fi show. Okay. But uh, anyway, I... So that's a remake? I, you know, I, I don't know if it's a remake. I just watched the pilot. It definitely has the same name. Mm -hmm. Um... But ultimately, I, uh, I I'm not gonna be here to discuss the upcoming episodes of uh, of of Arrow, so I wanted to throw that out there. And due to personal reasons, I'm gonna be walking the earth like Kane for a while, like Jules at the end of uh, Pulp Fiction. Will you be doing good deeds? I, I hope so. So what a fan, so fan bros out there, if you see Chico Leo, you right. know, ask him to do a good deed right. for you. I, I hope that I'll. Be but doing Chico, good this deeds. is part of the natural evolution because you know what's gonna happen. You're gonna return and you're gonna be Batman. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. then and then the world will shudder right. at what you will be able to accomplish. Because criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. And, and I shall are, become a bad. And we are all forged by adversity. Right. Exactly. Uh, yes. So this you, is true. I, I won't be around for a while. Uh, we don't know how long, but um, I'm leaving you in very, very, very capable hands here. All righty. Well, there we go. Chico Leo's Netflix pick of the week is Arrow, the first season. Yeah, well, that's all that's on Netflix. And I only watched the pilot, but I got a good feeling from the pilot. And a lot of people out there have been demanding that we talk about Arrow. So it's been on my list of things to check out. All right. Um, well, also, not on Netflix, but uh, Chico, we copped, uh, not cop, we caught the PBS special this week. Oh, yeah. The superheroes. What's I, the name of it? I think it's just called superheroes. It's superheroes. Uh, like the hashtag was like PBS dot superheroes, yep. but I thought that was just the hashtag. I yeah, think it's, it's just called superheroes. It's, no, superheroes something something something. But yeah, it, it it was both you and I agree. It yeah. was an extraordinary three part three hour. Each part was an hour. Like yep. history of comics that. It's one of those things when I was a kid, I never could imagine they would do something this sort of comprehensive and good. Yes. And they talk to a lot of talent and they start from the beginning. Yep. And they really come to the present day and yep. and, and trace the evolution. And sure, you wish it was 12 hours, but they really hit a lot of the high notes, talked to a lot of the creators, showed some interviews from some of the dead creators. And mm -hmm. um, if you have any interest in comics at all, which I assume you do if you're listening to this show, <laughs> you hope so. definitely want to want to look this up and look for this. It was on PBS on, on Monday night yep. and then re-aired again. Last uh, night yeah. at 1 a.m. But there, right. I checked the listings for those out there listening right now. It's still airing. They're having a several re-airings. I mean, I caught the last hour of it. I'm about to go home tonight. Actually, and I have it on my DVR so I can peep the first two hours. And 
like Chico said, it is one of the. I mean, I was just blown away by how good it was in that last hour alone. Like when they had the creators, when they had Alan Moore reading from the Watchmen. Yeah. Oh god, like the chills up the spine type ish, man. Like definitely peep it. PBS superheroes on Twitter is the hashtag. If you want to look it up for times and dates, you know, look up PBS. It's definitely one of the best things I've seen on comics pretty much ever. So, uh, I Joe, mean. did you want to uh, add, yeah. add anything? Well, basically, you know, you were talking about comics. You copped, and we were talking about comic stores. The only comic book I actually picked up today at the comic shop was Thief of Thieves number 17. Oh, um, Who's that by again? That's done by writer Andy Diggle. That's Images Skybound Division. So that's Robert Kirkman's division. So Andy Diggle is the writer. Sean Martinbro, who's my friend and business partner and co-collaborator, is the illustrator. Felix Serrano is the colorist. And look, I know a lot of people in the business. I don't buy everything that my friends do. But this is a really smart, well-done crime comic for the price point of two ninety nine. You cannot, Hard to find. You cannot beat this deal. Like, basically, it's the equivalent of Hawkeye. You know ooh, what I'm saying? Ooh. You cannot beat this that deal. That is big talk, because Hawkeye yeah, is... Hawkeye... I've talked about it before on the show. Hawkeye is the only Marvel comic that I buy. It's amazing. That's how badass it oh, is. Oh, God, is it good? you know I have the elite taste, right? Yeah. But, um... Joe is a, Joe's a snob. Yeah, I, I really am. <laughs> so, you know, and... So, Sean and I are actually working on a graphic novel, which we were talking about before... It takes place during the Harlem Renaissance, and we basically call it Fame Meets Boardwalk Empire. It's mm. called The Ren, which is short for Renaissance. Okay. It's coming out in 2015 from First Second Books. First Second Books is an amazing graphic novel publisher. Much love to our editor, Callista Brill. And basically, it's just going to bring a kind of glamorous and smart aspect to the Harlem Renaissance. And hopefully, like we were saying, with like 12 Years a Slave, it's something that will help educate young black people about, you know, their greatness and the legacy. And, you know, when you talk about Superman and Wonder Woman, to me, it's not Clark Kent and Diana. It's basically Jay-Z and Beyonce. But that has a legacy Ooh. which goes back, you know, a hundred years to when all these creative black writers and painters and musicians and philosophers came together and just made this amazing impact, which has not quite been duplicated. So The Wren, 2015, me, Sean Martinbro, and the artist Gray, three brothers from New York. It's going to be amazing, and thank you very much. All right, well, we're going to have Sean on soon to talk about Thief of Thieves because one of our other contributors, LYC, has been recommending me the book since issue one. It's a great book. I, yeah, I, I keep hearing they, they actually optioned the TV show like before it even came out, right? Absolutely right. Yeah. So I think that you'll probably see as like a television oh, show yeah. in the next two years. Yeah, and, I think they've already stripped the pilot stage. It's already going to series. And you can see it. And the way Kirkman has handled this series, he said actually working on Walking Dead, the TV show, inspired him to handle Thief of Thieves in a writer's room yep. method which is why it had the revolving writers. Ah. But my hope is that Andy Diggle becomes a regular writer because I've just been a fan of his ever since The Losers. Yes, and I, really, I was trying to remember where I knew his yeah. name from. Yeah, The Losers, he there we go. He sold me with The Losers, and I'm telling you right now, you know, much love to Nick Spencer, but I think Thief of Thieves is in its best arc yet. Oof. And if you, like, if you like crime dramas, you need to be buying this book. All right, yeah, I'm I'm about to start checking it. I've been BSing on it because I keep hearing great recommendations, and I'm already a 
you know, whatever Kirkman puts out, he pretty much has my money. Yep. So, you know, Invincible, Walking Dead, and now I guess I'm just going to have to go ahead and fork over some more dough for Thief of Thieves. Dude, you got to. All right. So, like I said, we'll have Sean on to discuss Thief of Thieves, and then, you know, closer to the release date of the Ren, we'll definitely have you both back on, you know. Nice, man. Yeah, because we're going to be around till 2015 at the very least, because that's how Fanbros is doing it. Damn right. Yep. So I think that's about it for this episode. It's been a big episode. I'm happy to see everyone back in the spaceship. You know, everyone's back here. Uh, let me say once again, you know, the Laughster event is coming up on October 28th. At 8.30. At 8.30. Please go to Laughster.com. You'll see the fan bros up on there. L-A-F-F-S-T-E-R.com. And let us stress that it is a live show. Yes. Live 8.30, October 28th. We'll be having special giveaways that you can bid on. Those will be going up on uh, fanbros.com very soon, so you can see what type of giveaways we'll be having. They'll be very exclusive, very special, stuff you couldn't even get at New York Comic Con, even if you stood in line for it. And I just want to uh, thank everyone who's been listening since I'm about to go on a long space walk from the spaceship. Give <laughs> us Sandra Bullock. I just, yeah, exactly. I'm going to be out there with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney for a while. Uh, no, We don't know too long, uh, how long, and it could be till 2015, but we'll... Uh, <laughs> Nah, we'll we're going to go out and find you before then, Chico. And what? Chico, I just want to say that when you return, I will be your Lucius Fox. <laughs> oh, nice. Those, those, are, those are strong words. Guaranteed. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Guaranteed. So you're going you're gonna to be building my Batmobile? Dude, I'm going to start making the technology now. Right. So when you come back, you will have the arsenal ready so you can take on all the evildoers. All right, well, I, I appreciate that. Alright, so wrapping this up once again as always, follow us on Twitter at Fanbros Show. Follow us on Instagram at Fanbros Show. You can check the YouTube now at Fanbros Show or search for Fanbros on YouTube. We'll come right up. Go over to that SoundCloud.com slash Fanbros page. Subscribe. Tell your friends to do it. Hit up iTunes. Search for Fanbros Show. Subscribe. You'll get it right to your phone as soon as the episode drops. You'll be in the gym, and it'll be like, bam, new fan bro show. You'll be at work like, bam, new fan bro show. It'll just be popping for you. Your life will instantly get better the moment you subscribe. Your mom and dad will be proud of you. Do it. Anything else from uh, Tatiana and Chico before we go? Well, Joe, you had a few shout-outs today. Yeah. Well. Well, <laughs> he's pulling I, the list out of his no, pocket. No, yeah, no, he's no. Pulling I'm, out his acceptance no, speech again. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it too long. Um. <laughs> Again, shout outs to my co-collaborators on The Wren, who are Sean Martinbro, the artist on Thief of Thieves, and Gray Williamson, who's just an amazing artist who has been mentoring a lot of black artists in comics for the last 20 years and is an amazing illustrator. We're going to do a really epic book. And other than that, I would have to say shout out to my mom and my dad. My dad was the first person who got me in the comics. And he liked the offbeat characters like Jonah Hex and Scalp Hunter and Deathlock. Mm. And I didn't realize that I would eventually grow up and become my dad and really kind of divorce myself from most of the superheroic nonsense. So props to my dad from Beyond the Veil and props to my fiance, Lulu Fry's dad, who is a constant influence on me. And when we first met, I bought her a trade paperback, Why the Last Man, Volume 1. And she said she liked it, and I was like, okay, we're meant to be Good together. to go, right? Uh, I just put my friend up on why the, <laughs> I, just, I just put a friend of mine up on why the last man, and I've been good to go since then, too. So I feel you 100% on that, Joe, Charlie. where can people find you online? People can find me on Facebook, Joe Illage, 
on Twitter, Joseph P. Illage. My company is Verge Entertainment, so you can find me at vergeentertainment.com or vergetv.com with Sean Martinbro and Milo Stone, the third partner. Milo Stone is basically the forge to our X-Men. Okay. And that's where you can find me. And also on LinkedIn for those people who want to do real business. Because <laughs> like Jay-Z, I don't do business. I'm a, a business, business man. man. There we go. Tatiana and Chico. I'm good. I'm just happy that you're here, Chico. Glad to see you here. Thank you for coming on the show, Joe. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me, and thank you for being such gracious guests. Uh, just a shout out again to all the fan bros out there who've been listening to us and listening to the special deliveries and uh, sticking with us and uh, tell your friends. Word up. Tell your friends to tell a friend. We'll be right back next week with more fan bros. Of course, you can catch our special delivery episode coming during the middle of the week, talking about all the TV, whatever else, big news is coming in fan bros world and as always every day visit fanbros.com get your updates so much more coming from new york comic-con i cannot even begin to tell you i wish i had two episodes right now to tell you all the stuff that i did and people i met before i'm done let me give a big shout out to mr larry hammer who i met at the comic-con i'm a huge fan of his work i mean since a child he answered a question that I've had for like 20 years about Nth Man, the comic book. I mean, like 20 years this question has been bothering me. He answered the question. I'd like to shout out to him because he is going through a bit of a health problem right now. And so I want to, you know, shout out to Larry Hammer. I hope you get better soon. I have no idea what this note means to Tatiana. Who, is, who, is, Louis, who is Mr. Hammer? Larry Hammer. Okay, for those who don't know who he is, is the creator and writer of G.I. Joe back in the 1980s through the 1990s. He's one of, He also wrote a Wolverine run in the late 90s or early 2000s, I think. That was amazing. He is just one of the best writers ever, like, you know, G.I. Joe, I got to wrap this up quick, but he is, you know, you think, oh, it's some stupid cartoon. No, G.I. Joe is one of the best plotted comics ever. Like, over 100 issues, he told this intricate-ass story that he would put seeds in maybe issue 5 that wouldn't be revealed to, like, issue 88. And he's one of the first POC writers in, co in comics. Absolutely. There we go. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. There Larry Hama is a trailblazer. Yeah. There we go. So all you people of color in comics that you have good careers going on now, Thank people like Larry Hama who fought yep. on the front lines Word. when it was tough. Yes, sir. And like I said, he answered a question about his other book, Nth Man. That was one of my favorite comics. And he answered this question that's been bugging me forever. So thank you very much, Larry Hama. Get better soon. All the fan bros out there, shout out to y'all. Thank y'all very much for listening. You know, we had Comic-Con this weekend. When I started this show, that was one of the things that I was like, I'm going to be at Comic-Con this year. Press passes and all. It happened. Boom. Now we move on to bigger and better things. So, you know, like my man Combat Jack would say, dream them dreams and all that good stuff. Thank y'all. God bless and good night. Fan